What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Cut. Christian, Sean, Randy, back again. How are we doing, gentlemen? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, after that 30-minute argument about the Indians, I'm ready to roll. Um, I'm telling you guys, when we get really famous and stuff, when people start sharing our show with their friends, and we can go to premium content, these like pre-episode arguments are going to be the bonus episodes that we send out. I think people would love it. It'll be a 30-minute episode, uh, two 30-minute episodes a week? That's easy. Exactly. Jesus Christ. And we don't have to do anything different. We can just record and see what comes out, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what we do for the podcast. Yeah, just everyone will know how much, how stupid you two both are. It'd be great. Everyone already knows that. About me, at least. Well, facts. <laughs> so, um, we do have a new website that's being in development. Um, we're really excited for the new design. Shout out to Nick Burkhammer for the, I, I believe it was his idea. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. <laughs> what you can you can talk on that, Randy. It's it's just drunken conversations between fraternity brothers. That's that's all that is. Could end up to be a pretty sweet thing for the podcast. I guess it were, it all works out, huh? He's a talented guy and he wants to build a portfolio, and we're dumb enough to be here. So here we go. Let's just keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um. So we'll get into a quick uh, listener league draft recap. We did have our draft yesterday. Um, So we'll talk about that. And then unfortunately we do have to talk about tight ends. Dude, I'm excited. I I actually think I'm more excited for this than I was the wide receivers or running backs. That makes one of us. Sean, anytime tight ends in an episode, you get angry. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, hey man, now's our time to call our shots, though. Fair so, Yeah. This um, is the only time. I guess. Well, first, I guess let's um, talk about our listener league. So, uh, Brandon and I were drafted from the three spot, Christian and Randy from the nine. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley went uh, one and two, even in a super flex. But Brandon and I were prepared. We wanted to go. We had talked about our strategies. We wanted to go running back early. It ended up working out for us uh, with taking Ezekiel Elliott and Aaron Jones in the first two rounds. Uh, following that up with Amari Cooper and AJ Brown as our running or as our receivers with Carson Wentz and Ben and Roethlisberger. So Brandon and I feel really good about our teams, but unfortunately, well, not for me. But um, Christian had talked about right as the draft was going that it was his worst case scenario for the first round. Yep. If you want to speak on that a little bit. Yeah, so Randy and I had talked about what like our ideal scenario would be for the first eight picks because we were drafting out of the nine. And the ideal scenario was that one of Kamara, Zeke, Dalvin Cook fell all the way to nine. And unfortunately, that didn't happen, so we kind of adapted our strategy on the fly. And ultimately, like, I... Th- I I think I'm okay with our our team. I love our starting lineup. I don't necessarily like our bench. Uh, Randy got mad at me with good reason because I thought Preston Williams would make it back to us. And then he went the next pick. So very wrong there. Um, 
Yep. Yeah. It seems like they, like the listeners in this league actually do listen to us and know that we love guys. What, and what a novel idea that would be. Right. Um, but I mean, we took Russell Wilson with that first pick. Um, Randy, do you want to speak on how you feel? Cause this was all independent of what Randy feels. I don't know how <laughs> Randy actually feels. No, I, I mean, like, like you said, our, our starting lineup, we really like kind of like, uh, I, I was throwing around the lethal term yesterday just for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, our worst case was Michael Thomas and any of the running backs not getting to us. We didn't want to reach for one of the guys that have question marks. So we want Russell Wilson. So our worst case scenario is like the third best quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, can't really be that mad. Got Josh Jacobs on the turn. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had we have good people everywhere. Uh, I mean... Our start, like I said, our starting line was great. We love everybody at the position. We do need people to hit. Our bench, we need people to hit too. But it's a fourteen-team league. You can't really be that mad about any team, except it's a fourteen-team league with six. It's a fourteen-team league with six bench spots. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll fix that next year. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Next year, we'll probably, next year we'll probably have to have two leagues anyway. So. It's true. Uh, no, I mean, Brandon and I feel really good about our team. Um, why don't you read through it? All right. That's fine. Starters. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Carson Wentz, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, Amari Cooper, AJ Brown, Tyler Higby, Mark Ingram, Jameson Crowder, and Ben Roethlisberger. It's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, your running backs are really strong. And that's yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, uh, and then our team is Russell Wilson, Josh Jacobs, Lev Bell, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Noah Fant, David Montgomery, Darius Geis, Joe Burrow, and the Eagles defense. So, yeah, I didn't mention my defense because I don't care. I don't. Did, I'm not even. Did you guys draft? Did one? you draft? One? <laughs> we, did, we drafted the Bears. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you um, want Bears yeah. or the Chargers? Psychos. A couple, no, not with the matchups to begin the season. We all know I stream defenses anyway. We all know I don't think defenses should be something in fantasy football, but that's beside the point. Um, a couple notes. Uh, first one I want to mention is at Big Philly Style 36. Um, after going Adams and Eckler in the first two rounds, he did go back to back quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. We were talking about how it was a little bit of a reach for Aaron Rodgers to go as the first guy out the board, but he was able to get Josh Allen on the turn anyway. So in a four point passing touchdown league, he has one guy who can throw for a lot of touchdowns and one guy who can run for them too. So that's pretty good. Um, uh, Arabian or at Arabian sniper did go nuts on the rookie running backs. Um, he ended up with Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, and Deandre Swift as his first three. Um, pairing that with Adam Thielen and Juju isn't terrible there. Um, Christian, what else here? I like the Axel's team. I don't remember who's on it, but I liked it when I looked at it. This fucking guy. Saquon Barkley, Raheem Mostert, Kenny Galladay, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Hunter Henry. Yeah. I think he could use a stronger QB2. And uh, Axel, if you're listening, just hit us up. We've got four of them. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Kind of. Yes. Uh, other things, uh, Rich 
Seema with Travis Kelsey and uh, Hayden Hurst going heavy on the tight end with the tight end premium. Can't really blame him there. We discussed it too. Uh, Steve taking Gurley in the second uh, and Gronk in the fifth. He he wanted his guys and he got them. You know, he I did. Respect that uh, dirty Randy decided to get all of the Bengals he could and paired Keenan Allen with Mike Williams. So ballsy play there. We'll see how that one plays out. But honestly, <laughs> thanks, thanks for everyone in the league. It was a fun draft. Uh, a lot of talking in it. So I'm actually really excited for this league uh, and the competition from you guys. We do wish we could have figured out our stream, but there was a major issue we were struggling with, and hopefully Christian figured it out. I think I did. I think I did. Hopefully we'll be able to stream come season time. Um, we, If you guys forgot, last year we did DFS episodes as a third like bonus type of episode on Saturday nights, posted on Sunday mornings. This year, Randy and I have, have discussed maybe moving that over to live stream to help build our YouTube up. Um, so if you guys would prefer it as an episode, let us know. If you guys are really itching for one of our live streams, that would be good to know as well. Um, yeah. So just reach out to us. We we want to bring you guys the content that you want to, to listen to or watch. I don't know why you would want to look at our ugly faces, but... Um, yeah, well, at, least, at least two of us have hair. Oof. That's true. I wear hats on live streams, though. Uh, true. And true. then um, we will have to think of um, some kind of parting gifts for everybody but mine and Brandon's team because Jesus when man. Randy and Christian inevitably have to buy us the jersey, we'll feel kind of bad. But hey, I mean, you got to beat you got to beat the best to be the best, and good luck. Okay. Yeah. Right. We'll see you with you two. Uh, <laughs> honestly, with the with the DFS show to touch on that that is a type of show we might be able to do both uh, stream and a show on podcast because it's not like Christian has to edit it all. Really? <laughs> I mean, we, we let our confusion and idiocracy speak for itself on the show, but we usually do win money. So, you know, true. and Sean will be joining us a little bit. throughout yeah, this Sweet too. Sweet is, uh, is a very big fan of betting stuff like that. So, I'm sure he'll be interested, and hopefully we can get Nathan on there uh, to get him more involved than he was in the draft yesterday. <laughs> R.I.P. Hmm. Nathan's auto-drafted team. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's take a break before we get into our A1s. All right, welcome back to the A1 tight end episode of The Cut. Um, so we're going to get into our guys who we believe in for this year. I'll go ahead and go first. Um, so if you haven't heard the name George Kittle, you definitely should. Like this dude is a stud. I'll leave. I'll Get leave out of the here. show. What? I can't. I can't stake my flag in George Kittle this year. No. Fine. This isn't 2018. We all know how I feel about tight ends. Now, what I'm about to bring up is a pretty common opinion among fantasy analysts, but because I wasn't allowed to pick Kittle for some reason or Evan Ingram. I'll I'll go ahead and jump on board with the Hayden Hurst type for 2020. Uh, so Atlanta targeted the tight end position 106 times in 2018 and 121 times in 2019. Last year, Hayden Hurst had a 77% catch rate, which, while it was a little bit limited, was better than the likes of Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey, I know, I just kind of threw that name in there, 
and then everyone's darling for this year of the tight ends, Blake Jarwin. Um, if you were to take the average of the 2018 and 2019 targets in Atlanta, combined with Hayden Hurst's catch rate, which his career, he's been right around the same number, that would put him right around 88 receptions per Sports Illustrated, which would give him the eighth most receptions out of all tight ends last year. I know Christian usually likes to get into the advanced metrics, so I got into it a little bit with Hayden Hurst here too. He had the fourth best DVOA among tight ends, higher than the guy that Christian will mention later, uh, at 28.1%. Uh, Hurst also was the top 10 in, D- in DYAR, which is defensive yards above replacement, and which gets converted to total yardage. So Hurst has shown up on those spectrums also. So the translation is all this is that Hayden Hurst is a pretty damn good tight end who's getting a brand new opportunity in Atlanta. I mean, he was traded for a second and a fifth round pick. So there was a little bit of capital that went into Atlanta trading for him. Um, and then again, you look at, you look at Austin Hooper when he was with Atlanta a couple of years ago, uh, last year in 18, he had a 25.7% red zone target rate in 2019. And he was sixth among all tight ends of 2018, where he played all 16 games with a 17.6% target share in the red zone. Basically, that means Matt Ryan wants to target his tight ends in the red zone, primarily Austin Hooper. We know he's uh, not targeting Julio, so. Exactly. Uh, the three of us are obviously very high on the Atlanta offense in 2020 based on the fact that their defense will be, in a word, garbage. Um, they're going to need to throw because they're going to be losing a lot. Hayden Hurst is going as tight end 11 right now, which is good for 105 overall, or which turns into a 10th round pick. If I can load up in the first nine rounds at other positions and grab Hayden Hurst in round 10, who has a chance to be a top five guy behind the big three names and probably behind Ertz, but arguably that's it for his ceiling, I would be all for it. So I'm full sent on Hayden Hurst. It wouldn't be an A1 episode without an Atlanta Falcon, I got to say. I think the quarterbacks were the only ones that we didn't pick a Falcon. Yeah, no shit. I no, mean, I, I, this is the team that I want every share of. And I think the only concern I would have with Hurst is the new offense. Um, the, the fact that he is changing teams in such a shit off season to do so. Uh, the fact that Jaden Graham actually didn't look terrible when he was out there in place of Hooper last year. I know that sounds weird, but um, if they don't feel they can trust Hurst because he, I feel like he did have issues with drops early in his career. Maybe he has those same issues getting accustomed to a new quarterback. Who knows? Um, those are my only concerns. And after that, like I'm full send on Hurst as well. Honestly, my, my biggest concern for Hurst is just him being on the field constantly. We've seen great things from him on the field. Obviously, he's kind of outshined in Baltimore. But, I mean, Mark Andrews is really good. There's nothing else we can really say there. So he should be good. The numbers show that he should have the opportunity to be good. So we'll see if he was truly worth that first-round pick. Yeah. I'm not even going to argue because you guys made me pick somebody, and this is who I pick. I mean, we're not <laughs> arguing. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, think... the biggest thing with the Falcons, just from the three of us, is I don't know how all these people are going to do so goddamn good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, well, we... And we that's think also, I mean, we like we're standing out well, their offense. So like, let's geez. put it this way: now, no one, no, none of us are on Christian's whatever he's 
on. Yeah. You talked about Calvin Ridley being so high. Julio Jones finished in the top five last year. Calvin Ridley finished in the top 25 at his position. Austin Hooper was the tight end one in the in the 13 games he played. So and it's not Raymond was RB20, I believe. Right. So it's not impossible for the two receivers plus the tight end to still be very good in their offense. Yeah. I, I think uh the tight end position and Ridley are gonna kind of meet in the middle of those two. Yeah. So, so I think I mean I think Christian's pick is a bit off and I mean the top five might be a bit off, but again, t- touchdowns in the tight end position is king. So we'll see. We will see. All right, you go next. Yep. Uh, And I just talked about how we have to see if Hayden Hurst was worthy of the first-round pick. I would talk about a guy that has already proven he's worthy of the first-round pick and Noah Fant. This is – honestly, I've been saying this for a long time now, but I'm clearly not the only one in the industry that believes this guy is going to be the breakout tight end of the year. He's currently going tight end 12 to 13, depending on where you're going. Last round of – Last pick of round 10, early round 11, somewhere in that range. Uh, Last year, he was tight end 16 in what was a historic rookie year. He led all rookies, tight ends, that is, in targets, receptions, yards, and yards after catch per catch with 8.3. That was the fourth best since 2016 by a tight end uh, and the highest by a rookie since 2010. He's also one one of only five rookie tight ends in history to have at least 40 receptions, 500 yards, and 14 yards per reception. So he clearly has already shown that with a limited target volume, he was already amazing. And he was already probably worth the first-round pick, or at least close to it, just from the first year. And kind of went against the mold that we preach heavily, that rookie tight ends don't matter in fantasy. While he wasn't top 12, he was 16, and he did have some really good weeks. As we all know, he's he's an athletic freak. who ran a 4-5-40, which is faster than Sutton, and barely slower than Jared Judy. I mean, this guy's ridiculous. And because of that, he also was tied with Travis Kelsey with having the most catches for 40-plus yards by the tight end position with three last year. So he's already competing with the top guys. And his rookie year stats last year, the only people that are ever close are the top guys at tight end you know of Kelsey, Kittle, Gronk, Evan Ingram, all those guys that had those incredible rookie years and incredible starts, he was competing with them, basically. All right, and I talked about this before with my uh, A1 QB with Locke. His 16-game pace, which, again, I don't like to do for especially that short. Of yeah, we like season. to yell Christian about when he does use it. No, I, I, it's just for the arc, and I'm going to say that for sure. Well, yeah, but, whenever we can... Whenever we can mix numbers together, it's why I had a 77% catch rate for Hayden Hurst to be above, you know, Travis Kelsey's. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, so for 16 games, he would have had about 500 attempts. I think it was like 499, uh, 3,300 yards, 22 touchdowns. Shermer, in his 10-plus year career of coaching, uh, averages 573 attempts, over 3,700 yards, and about 22 touchdowns. So, a more aggressive year than Locke could have had last year with his limited production at the end of the year. (laughs) So that pretty much, unfortunately I did not mean to do this shows a lock that it will go up in attempts yard. And because Uh, of that has a good chance to go up in touchdowns this season. Not a baby. (laughs) 
And you could say that isn't a very high passing offense with not even getting close to the four. Not, I won't say getting close, not breaking the 4,000 yard mark and over 25 touchdowns. But San Francisco in 2018, when George Kittle became the god that he is, their offense only uh, only had 532 attempts for 3,800 yards and 26 touchdowns. So they were better in the touchdown department, and mainly because of Kittle. But I think Fant could be that way. Hi, Coda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's been, that's been going on for like a Oh, you're good. And then going back to Shermer, how much his offense is affected by such a good tight end. He averages 8.08 targets to a tight end a game in his career. Huh. Yes. <laughs> a tight end that would get eight targets a game is already among one of the best, even if he doesn't catch them all. <laughs> even with sticky catch percentages, he'd be really good. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I don't think Fant gets all eight of those. I'm not sure. There's obviously going to be games where they have 10-plus targets to tight end. They did bring in Albert O. They have uh, like six other tight ends of the roster. I know they just cut one. I can't remember which one it was. I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> Way to do your research, jerk. Ah, come on, dude. I was busy. Uh, <laughs> either way, that's a lot of targets to a position that doesn't get a lot of targets for most teams. So if he can just capitalize on that and get anywhere from, let's say, five to seven of those targets a game, just switching it up every game, doesn't have to be an average, that spells very good numbers for him. And let's not forget, he's from Iowa, and that pedigree has shown very well over the last few years. And yeah, so like my A1, George Kittle. <laughs> exactly. In uh, his rookie year, kind of validated that claim going into the draft that that pedigree was kept going through him and Hawkinson. Uh, Hawkinson didn't really do much except for week one where Fant really showed his own throughout the whole year. Um, a lot of that being the 75 yard touchdown he caught against the Browns. Well, he's not the only one. (laughs) Derrick Henry Henry was uh, both star for that too. (laughs) So keep going. Obviously me is me hanging myself. (laughs) Obviously the Broncos have brought in a lot more talent around Drew Locke and to compete with Fant, but let's be real, Jerry, Judy, and everyone else there are just going to open up the field, especially the middle for Fant, to really be that mismatch that he's going to be. I mean, there's, there's, I know we're in a faster linebacker type of era, but they're still not going to be able to completely match up with Fant. With that four, size, four or five speed and size, his route running was getting better throughout the year. I really believe in him this year especially even with more people in the offense. It should be an increased offense, and he should become Locke's safety blanket, as well as probably a guy that's going to dominate in the red zone for the team. Yes. Oh, no. Are you, Let me just you have more? No, I got to finish the last point. Sorry. Okay. So if he averages the five to seven targets a game, that will easily lead to 60-plus receptions on the year and should spell a lot higher touchdown number, maybe even cracking the seven-plus number. Those numbers alone would land him top 12 and really give him a fighting chance to be top five. I think he's clearly going to be this season's breakout guy. If you're for recency bias purposes, this year's Darren Waller. I I really think Fant is the guy to get this year. And you can wait late in draft, just like all three of the guys we're talking about now. Uh, He is the guy that's going to win the leagues. And I'm glad we have him in the listener league. Yes. I have a serious question for you. And I... I don't want you to just brush it off like it's not serious. <laughs> I just want to lead with that. So, oh, Albert O. 
is now on the Broncos. I think boys, I think eventually you're going to have to figure out how to say his last name. No. I can say it. I just, I know I, that. I'm not as confident. Also, I can't spell it. I actually can't. We definitely don't have to learn. Let's be real. <laughs> um, so, his nickname forever can be Alberto. So anyway, my, my serious question. Do you have any concern that Drew Locke, having a, a an established, um, like, relationship, I guess, with Alberto, he was his favorite target when they were both in school, do you think that Alberto at least like takes away some of the touchdown upside from Fan? I know he's not gonna take yeah. like he's not better than Noah Fan by any that's, means. That's that's the plain and simple thing. He's just nowhere near as good as Noah Fan, and mm-hmm. he he could have been a favorite target in college, but guess who was his favorite target last year? Noah Fan. Obviously, Cortland Cortland Sutton was there too, but. They don't run a lot of two tight end sets necessarily. I know Shermer's offense can spell that at times. I don't think that really has a worry. Again, I said they average. He averages over eight targets to tight ends. I don't see why Albert O can't get one to two a game, and I don't see how that would still affect Fant. Yeah, and and you also have to think Fant was historic and prolific last year. Yeah, I, I and think pro- and prolific. Yeah, and prolific for a rookie tight end for sure. Yeah, I I think too. Like, n- not many people are talking about the prospect of Noah Fant lining up as a big slot, um, yeah. and that's how they get Alberto onto the field. Because I I know they drafted KJ Hamler, but outside of that, like their their receiver depth isn't great. And I could see Noah Fant lining up similar to how Waller did last year. It's it's interesting that you made that comparison um, out wide or in the big slot to get some more traditional wide receiver looks because he's a freaking wide receiver. That's, I mean, well, he's fast yeah. enough to be one. He is. He's faster than a lot of receivers. Yeah. And he's faster than Albert O, who that was the only thing he was talked about for the whole combine. And his play speed is like negative 20 yeah, seconds. Where fan, fans the same on the field, in pads, in tights, without a helmet, with a helmet. Dude's just insane. Why do you think yeah. about dudes in tights, Randy? Because that's all the combine is. True. Underwear I Olympics. Think, I think the only the only stopping point would be obviously if Drew Locke isn't good. And yeah, I, I mean, there's a Drew very Locke, large chance that that happens, but there's also a good chance that he is good. Yeah, if Drew if Drew Locke somehow is way worse than anyone thinks uh, that he is going into the year, I'll say that. Uh, I mean, I like worst case would be his outcome from last year. I'd say. And that was tight end 16. Like, yeah. I, I, there's just no chance that he is worse than that. And there's every chance that he's top eight. I also think, too, I mean, if Drew Locke does suck, they signed Jeff Driscoll. And I know people would laugh at that. But Jeff Driscoll was a fantasy-relevant quarterback. He was able to sustain Kenny Galladay at times last year. Um, he was able to sustain multiple receivers last year. So I think the the chances of Fant hurting because Locke isn't good are a little slimmer now that they have a decent backup. If anything, if he isn't doing well, that may spell more to hyper-targeting Fant. True. As well as Melvin Gordon. I'll say that too. And Philip Lindsay. No. Stop. Royce Brady. (laughs) Yep. All right. Fuck you guys. Um, No, solid points. I can't argue really anything outside of maybe Alberto 
because and I don't even know if you mentioned their right tackle uh opted out today. So now they're gonna be rolling yeah, with their backup. I mean you you as well as I know their their tackles weren't anything to write home about last year, especially anyways, so like It's true. I'm not I'm not like obviously it's a blow. But they're not the only team that's gonna face that blow. But as long as Fant doesn't opt out, I think I'm fine with it. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to move into mine. And this this guy actually, like, I picked this guy. And I was like, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited about this. But I didn't know just how excited I was about it until I started statting out the Titans. Yes, my guy is Jonu Smith. Um, and Jonu Smith ended up as my tight end six on the year. He's being drafted as tight end 17. So I just want to start with his measurables because I think the three of us are pretty much in consensus that we like uh, athletic tight ends. I think that's pretty clear based on the three guys we picked. But Jonu Smith is in the 88th percentile in 40-yard dash, 84th percentile in speed score, 94th percentile in burst score, 82nd percentile in catch radius. These are all great things, if you don't know. Very good. Um, he had an 18-year-old breakout. He was one of the more dominant uh, guys at his position the year he came out. I believe he was in the top 10 in terms of college dominator. So all of those things check out. Did you know that the Titans have 103 vacated targets? You wouldn't think that. Randy and I were texting about that before. Um, and Tajay Sharp, Delaney Walker, and Dion Lewis accounted for most of those. I, I think my, I think my exact quote from that. You're like, yeah, they have 100, 103 vacated targets. And I said, from fucking who? <laughs> I mean, yeah, from dude, for real. Like dude. I forgot about Delaney because he got hurt yet again. Uh, mm-hmm. Other yeah. than that, other guys probably didn't deserve that many. Right. Well, they all had around thirty. Um, but that so the 103 vacated targets on a low volume offense. That's good for almost 25 percent of all targets. It's not the highest in the league. It's middle of the pack. But then you dive a little deeper. So they're inside the 10 target percentage is 30% available. That's near the top of the league. And that's because Delaney Walker left. Um, 21.3% of their air yards are available. There's, there's a lot of things going in Johnny's favor to get targeted more. So last year, John posted a DVOA. Uh, defensive adjusted value above a uh, 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 value oh, above God. average. Sorry, stumbled on that one. Um, that was at twenty five point six percent. That was good for sixth in the league. And I mean, yeah, you you can't argue that. I mean, that's top ten in the league. His defense adjusted yards above replacement clip was good for ninth in the league, and that was ninety one yards. He ranked fourth in tight end catch rate. He was tight end 20 last year, despite catching just 35 balls. He was one of the best yak guys at the tight end position. He was actually second best in uh, uh, yak per reception behind Randy's guy, Noah Fant. If you do take out Noah Fant's 75-yard beast touchdown, which you can't do, but if you do, John was first. Yeah. Um, Janu was fifth in tight end broken tackles and 10th in the entire league, if you include running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in receptions per broken tackle. 
the bottom line here is that he's a freaking beast. He was beastly out there the entire season, despite really not getting a ton of work. Ryan Tannehill showed confidence in him all year after he took over as Johnny was the tight end 13 from week seven on. So he was a borderline tight end one already. He's being drafted at tight end 17. There's a discrepancy there. Um, furthering some of those advanced stats, Johnny ranked 10th in fantasy points per route run with 0.51 per. That's very good. What's better is his number three ranking in fantasy points per target at 2.33, which is just insane. He's being drafted as a tight end two, and that's an absolute steal. He's already shown us he's more than that. There's a there's potential that my tight end six projection is a little ambitious, but I definitely think that Janu finishes. I I don't I wouldn't say I definitely believe it, but when I was going through all these statistics, I said Janu might finish as the tight end three, and I I I would stand by that. I think Janu has top five potential. I also think that the guys that we mentioned all do. Um, I think he's an absolute slam dunk of a pick in the 15th round of drafts. Come on. That's easy money. Easy. Yeah. All right. Roast me. He, so he's he's going to finish higher than tight end 17, right? That's what he's being drafted as. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's finishing higher than that. I don't think he has the chance to reach top three uh, just because right. of the volume. I don't see I don't see volume either. I mean, you guys both know already how I feel about the whole AJ Brown insanity that happened last year. Plus, I do think Corey Davis is more of a thing than people want to make out that Corey Davis is a thing, especially given that Tannehill looked to him in the playoffs last year too. But at the same time, if I think the Titans are going to be a good team, so they're going to run the ball. Dude, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball as much as they did last year. And so that means there's more than 103 targets to go around. You know, like. Well, not necessarily because A.J. Brown's going to get more targets. And right. you would assume Corey Davis. And, and it's just so hard, Sean. Like, we've been trying to make Corey Davis a thing for years. No, just, I'm not. And I'm not trying to. And I'm not saying by any means that, oh, I, you should go out and draft Corey Davis. I'm just saying that there have already been flashes of Ryan Tannehill with Corey Davis. Ryan Corey Davis had more targets and more receptions in the playoffs than AJ Brown did last year. Yeah, Corey Davis is going to get targeted. That's that's, that's my argument. And while yeah. and while obviously there's the vacancy at the tight end position with no more Delaney Walker, um I just don't know if they're going to throw the ball as much as Christian would believe and that's my issue. Yeah, it's going to be close. Uh, like volume is the biggest concern and the other biggest concern is an actual pass catching running back for once in the offense and Darrington Evans but again he's going to finish above tight end 17 yeah but Deion Lewis had 30 some targets last year too yeah but he was very inefficient with the 30 if you give Darrington Evans 35 40 and a lot of he's going to be good and to that point a lot of Deion Lewis's time was with Mariota when they were losing games when Tannehill came in, Lewis didn't see the field nearly as much. Yeah. I think they're like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> it's fair, but so say say Jonu only gets 30 more targets, which was what Delaney got. Say he doesn't even get a bump. That's still 75 tight end targets. Like, that's, yeah. that's a good number. That's yeah. probably 60 to 70 catches, and I think. Oof, that's wrong. 
what did I say? <laughs> seventy total. So it's probably you said, you said seventy to seventy-five. Yeah, so he's, gonna, he's, like gonna have a 90, he's gonna yeah. have a ninety-seven point nine percent catch rate. Yeah. Well, so I'm so at like, like fifty so like, years. If it like for me, I know I cal- like eight oh eight. Uh, it was like over a hundred targets are going to go to the tight end this year for the Broncos just by the basic stat projection of how his average is for Schumer's offense. Uh, like, I think Noah Fant would get probably 88%, 90% of those targets. I mean, realistically, he's still only going to get like 60 catches or so. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think, like, he was already tight end 13 those weeks i i think tight end 13 is where i would try and put him for the year and he is i i'm saying like i would think 11 through 14 for him and then obviously if the volume is more there and evans isn't as big a hit he's gonna finish higher that's kind of what i like i think with the volume that he already had which wasn't a lot uh he's already good like yeah, like that's I'm, the whole point, really. Yeah, and there's not a ton of we're we're talking about like f- three guys in this entire offense that are going to fight for targets for him. So <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Not I, be think, Henry. Well, I, I think John is the second second highest targeted person or close to. Think, yeah, I don't think that's true. Just because, like, like Sean said, Corey Davis is going to get the targets. He just won't be productive with them. Right. And Janu, and I didn't even mention that Janu had 78 yards rushing last year. Yeah. I've seen a lot of clips of some of those rushes, and the man's a freaking beast. Like, they're going to get him some carries. And yeah, he's, 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 it's, it's, he's like a Derrick Henry that can catch. It's crazy. Watch, right. Corey, watch Corey Davis turn into this year's Devontae Parker, where he just fucking goes nuts. I mean, you know, all hopes of the guy. Uh, I didn't. Love the I think he's got to get out. He's got to get out of Tennessee if if he's going to revitalize whatever career he was going to have. I think he's got to go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, most likely. Hell, even if even if he were to go to Green Bay before the season started, if he became yeah. their wide receiver too behind Adams, I think that would make him much more interesting to me. In the yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, I, I do love all three of the guys we targeted. They're later round guys. Uh, I honestly, I think Hurst is somehow the earliest of them. Yeah, but I think that's more. Yeah. That's more about uh, Austin Cooper. Cooper than him. I mean, I would still take George Kittle though. Yeah, oh, of course. Sean Sean is the early tight end guy of the group for sure. Because he just he just hates everyone else. He's like, ah, fuck <laughs> it, this guy. In all honesty, my last honorable mention would be I. I Probably not even one. I'm still big on Evan Ingram. You guys aren't, but if it's a mid round pick and I'm and Evan Ingram gets down to the seventh eighth round, I'm taking that shot because I just I, I've just always been I've always been high on him as a player. Also, with the news about Jordan Reed, if you're thinking about touching Jordan Reed, for the love of God, don't. There's yeah, absolutely <laughs> no reason to roster Jordan Reed. No, not yet. They did their backup tight end last year wasn't even good when Kittle was out. Right, uh, Ross Dwelly was not good. He was not good. Dwelly was a top twelve tight end the two weeks that Kittle was out. Man, it's not hard to do. I get that, but 
I mean, they're still going to target Jordan Reed, especially if he's healthy at least, which he uh, isn't. Won't he be. Is. <laughs> no, it, yeah, you shouldn't. Ross Dwelly had one. Ross Dwelly, and I believe this is the week that Kittle got hurt in game. Week eleven against Arizona, he caught four passes for fourteen yards. Yet he found the end zone twice, scored nineteen fantasy points. He against, only scored against the worst team against tight ends in the last decade. Correct, and he played, and he scored six in the other game that he had over ninety percent of snaps, and scored eight the week before. So I get Christian, maybe what you're saying, but no. And, and you guys, I mean, shit, you guys are off of Evan Ingram because of injury history, really. Jordan Reed's injury history doesn't scare you at all. Oh no, it's I would never. But I would pick him up if Kittle went down. Yeah, but hopefully at that point we saw him actually play. So, I mean, I don't think Kittle's going down. He's an absolute monster. So we'll see. Uh, honestly, other honorable like uh, Everett Ingram's a good call. He's like he's I, your guy. I I, love, I very much like him, and he's a very talented guy. It's just for and me and Christian aren't against Evan Ingram. It's because he's still going where he's going to finish. And that was the whole, you you get you get uh, no risk built into the pick. That's the our only problem with him. I guess the other honorable mentions. I guess Hawkinson. Any any other ones? You, I mean, Hawkinson would have to have a major turnaround. He's a very talented guy, but he really didn't do much last year. People, a lot of people are on Dallas Goddard. I'm not See, as much on him. I mean, Dallas Goddard has been productive. Already, I just it's sometimes it's just so hard for me to trust the second tight ends on a team. I mean, I don't blame you, but he's more of like a he's like a second tight end combined with a yeah. Of the but team. They also, I do think DJX plays an entire. I mean, I think he's. Well, gonna I think DJX plays a majority of the season, and oh. then and Jalen Rager coming in. Plus, you guys know how I am about JJ Arthega Whiteside. Yeah, but again, we haven't seen him do it. Sure. Uh. So, other than that, I, I, let me let me put it this way: I don't want Dallas Goddard as my starting tight end. In I, a do. I don't. I, I would don't, do that. He's a top ten tight end. I don't think I'd plan for it, but I don't think I would be mad about it. You know what I mean? Like, I I think he's going to be a good tight end this year. I think he's probably guaranteed tight end one. So, I my other honorable mention would be Herndon, Chris Herndon. You guys know I love Chris Herndon. Okay. We're good on, but so I'll give you that. I'll give you that, but only because of how far he's down on the board. Yeah, you can literally spend your last round pick on Chris. Oh, oh. you can not draft him and pick him up right before the season starts. So, well, yeah, that's 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 kind of all we want to do on tight ends. There's a reason we didn't do two, like we did for the other. If if we were doing two, then I'm taking George Kittle as one of my two. Honestly, we would let you have. Evan Ingram and Hayden, <laughs> so we'd have had to. Yeah. George Kittle or bust. Jesus. All right. I'm going All to right. bed. I don't know what else to talk about. Uh, what do we have to talk about, Christian? Nothing. Nothing. We're not a league draft, so I'm like not. I don't know what to talk about anymore. Oh, apparently, Christian forgot all about red zone draft. Ah, there we go. It's not the bottom here. I didn't see it this time. Yeah, what asshole made the fucking doc? Yeah. It was me. All people, am I right? Yeah. Well, yeah, so Red Zone Draft Board, obviously a fantastic... All people, am I right? We're in August now, man. Like, 
you yeah. guys should be doing and that and should be doing your drafts. Despite Christian's protests, training camps are ramping up. The NFL <laughs> I'm not PA. protesting. I want it to happen, bro. Don't put that the on NFL, me. The NFLPA did release terms of there are going to be fines if players break protocols, which I do think is an important piece that they came out today and said if guys start going to nightclubs or bars or stuff like that, they're going to be fined. So I think that is an important part. I mean, Sean Payton's already rented out a hotel for the Saints, and which is fair because Louisiana is such a shit show right now. Sorry, I got a, I have a friend down there who's coaching in Southeast Louisiana, and it's it's awful down there. But Sean Payton, they're running out their own bubble for the entire training camp. I think you might see more teams start to do that. It's smart. It's, it's smart. Every honestly, in reality, every NFL team should probably run out. Plus, how often for the season? I mean, I'm speaking from experience with the Browns. Like usually the Browns all stay at the same hotel for training camp anyway. Yeah, they do. But so, they're also, yeah, hundred percent. And the other thing is it came out. Uh, I think it was today that Ohio state and the Browns aren't having fans. I think a lot of places are going to be the same way. So there's going to be a lot of uh, hotels. The Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders, yeah, Raiders that. Listen, I, I work for a company that partners with hotel companies to bring and traveling teams and have them stay everywhere. This should be the exact same thing. There should be a hotel for your team and a hotel for the traveling team every week. And I'm sure there will be as much as people want to say that the NFL is being dumb about this. I'm sure they're going to figure something out. Yeah. They they probably physically can't do an actual bubble like the NFL. But they could do their own version. And and I think they're already starting to kind of figure that out to an extent. So yeah. I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm full going on all my home leagues, all the drafts and stuff. Yep. I, have, I, have we I, figured the AFL draft day? No. Did we figure that out? Jesus Christ. Well, somebody has, somebody has to work. I think multiple people have to work. Unfortunately. Yeah, one of them, but no, I'm, I'm excited. It's getting closer. Um, so obviously we'll update you if there's any more training camp news. Thursday is, is now the deadline for opt outs. Right now, the only big fantasy relevant player to opt out was Damian Williams. So obviously, if we get another one by the time we're recording again, we'll let you guys know. But otherwise, Kenny Galladay, Matthew Stafford, Gardner Minshew, TJ Hawkinson, all on the COVID list. Hopefully, we see those names come off in the next couple of days. Yeah, in our next recordings on Thursday. So we'll I'm sure we'll have any new updates that we'll discuss in for our next episode. So that's good. Yeah. Gives us one thing. All right, I'm done. All right, for Randy Hall, Christian Williams, I'm Sean Williams. We'll talk to you guys one day. We're gone.